Welcome to Sammy Joe's Podcast, the show that is all about gaining insights from top performers as they share what made their teams successful and translate those ideas into your everyday lives and businesses. Here's your host, three-time Olympian, professional speaker, author, and entrepreneur, Sammy Joe Small. Welcome to episode three of Sammy Joe's Podcast, where I interview perhaps one of the all-time greatest hockey players and great friend, Jennifer Bottrell. She is a four-time Olympian, a three-time Olympic gold medalist who assisted on the winning goal at her final Olympics on home soil in Vancouver. She's been MVP of the World Championships, and incredibly, she tallied a point in every single college game she played but one, winning the Patty Kazmaier as the top college player of the year twice. This led her into a remarkable professional career where she led her Toronto area teams in both the old NWHL and CWHL to three national championships, winning the Angela James League Scoring Championship and MVPs numerous times. So accomplished on the ice, she has used her athletic lessons to build a successful business called Excel in Life, which includes a professional speaking career, an NHL broadcasting career, and owner of Journey to Excel, an elite athlete training center. In this podcast, she shares insights on how, despite being a busy professional, to be present, and how important moments of appreciation, as she calls them, are, and how they have helped her to bring out the best in her big moments. Very respected in the hockey world and beyond, her positive attitude has helped her perform and her intensity to succeed have lifted her teams to greater heights, bringing out the best in those around her. I've been fortunate to share so many incredible moments alongside Jen, but the best moments are the one-on-one moments where she makes you feel like you are the most important person in the room. I hope you enjoy my interview with Jennifer Bottrell. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional Indigenous owners of country throughout Canada and pay my respect to them, their culture, and their elders, past, present, and future. Okay, Jen, because you're such a good friend, I often forget how accomplished you are. Um, We'll get to that later, but I just wish everybody could have a Jennifer Bottrell in their lives. I just feel so fortunate, and I really want everybody to know you, so I couldn't be more thrilled to have you on my show. So thanks for coming on Sammy Joe's podcast. Oh, well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to visit. Well, I think you're probably the busiest person that I really, that I know. Um, You're a professional speaker, uh, hockey broadcaster, which is really exciting. We can talk a little bit about that. But you and your husband also uh, own a gym. On top of that, you have three girls, five and under. Um, I know that if I was to ask you what the hardest part of it, you'd simply say, oh, we're just so grateful. But really, when we get into the nuts and bolts of it all, like how, I guess, how do you manage? How do you manage with all of that going on? And do you try to keep your routine? Uh, Do you ever have time to yourself? Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Uh, Well, I would say, yes, life is busy. Um, Absolutely. Uh, But I think that is an approach that I've always embraced, right? And I think from when I was young to being a university student athlete to playing on the national team to life now as a mom and as a professional, I think that I've always tried to take the approach of pursuing excellence in everything that I do. So there's no question it's busy, but time management, I think, has always been an important skill that I learned. And I think I apply that today as well, that um, to manage my time when it's time to do a keynote or to prepare for 
you know, the broadcasting show, or if it's time to focus on being the best mom that I can be. I think I always try to stay present in those moments. And um, in terms of, I don't know if I have an excess amount of time on my <laughs> own right now, but I, I think that's right now it's the greatest gift, right? With the little kids and they grow up so fast that it's also nice to have the time with them. So uh, I think that's just something I learned from my parents, right? To to be your best, I think, in every capacity uh, is is really important. And it's busy, but I think also just, you know, taking one step at a time and being fully engaged and fully present with everything that you're doing uh, has been a, a helpful approach for me. If you could have maybe five or 10 minutes to yourself, what, maybe even 30 minutes, pretend yes. like you got a full hour where it's just like nobody around, what would you actually do? Like, what would be your thing you would like to do? <laughs> I don't go to as many or do as many yoga classes as I used to. So yoga might be at the top of the okay. list. Um, but I, I still get my small windows of, of recovery. I mean, that's that's still important. But I think yoga is one where I haven't had exactly the luxury. Sometimes it's five minutes of stretching with the kids in the morning. But um, <laughs> it's yeah. not quite the same as actually following along a class. A, a climbing on top of you now, right? That's yes. a little bit different. So my resistance training. and uh, <laughs> But it's more fun. Instead of going on you know, a jog on my own, I'm pushing the stroller and they're enjoying the outdoors too. So I went downstairs the other day and both girls were on top of Billy and he was doing, I don't know, arm curls yes. with both girls on top of them. So that's probably your life right now. Yeah, and Adrian does more of the kids on top of them. I try to set them next to me for the, the workouts. But yes, Adrian enjoys the full the full body workouts with the kids on top. Amazing. Um, yeah, you talked a little bit about being a broadcaster now, which is uh, very exciting. I know, um, you know, being so close to you that you have done this for a long time from hometown hockey to with the New York Islanders. But with the pandemic, that obviously got put on a bit of a hiatus. But you're back with Sportsnet now. And what it's like being in that industry again. Yes, I've, I've really enjoyed, I think, staying connected to hockey. Um, you know, I think since our days of playing together with so many great memories, this has been a nice way to stay connected to the sport of hockey in a different capacity. Um, you know, and it, I've really enjoyed the various roles that I've had from, you know, covering women's hockey to having the chance to work and cover the Islanders over the past couple of seasons, where it was great experience for me um, in terms of I was between the benches most of the time in the game. Uh, so right in on the action. And then now Didn't having pucks along the way, hopefully not. That's where there were, you had to be focused. There were, there were no moments <laughs> that you could sort of not pay attention. Uh, but yeah, so for me, it's a privilege to be back with, with Sportsnet. And, um, you know, in this analyst role is one that I really love where, um, you know, we can watch the game and provide our, our insight and our perspective. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, Cassie has been, I think, a, a one who's, you know, been groundbreaking uh, for females in the broadcasting role. And I think we're all hopeful that yeah, there may not be many females in the analyst role for the NHL yet. But I think we're all hopeful that that is just if people want to do it down the road, that choice should be theirs. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. I'm happy hockey's back. So it's been fun to cover the action. Well, you certainly I mean, you know, the game so well, it makes a total sense that you can comment on it in the moment. You know, I think what Cassie does that's so remarkable is that she has to know each of the guys about their story and their background um, to make comments. You, I mean, from what I've seen, you get to comment on the hockey part of it, which is what you know so well. And I just, I love the analytical take that um, every time that I hear you speak about hockey, it seems like I'm watching you play. Like, 
I always said to, whenever I watched you play, I was, I couldn't believe that nobody took the puck off you. Like it just, it seemed like you just had the puck in open space. Like, why aren't you just taking it off, Jen? Like, it looks like it would be so easy, but you just had this way of creating space and, and seeing it in slow motion, which is what I see now as a broadcaster. Do you see that that kind of translates a little bit? Uh, absolutely. And I think that's the natural tendency in terms of my style of play or how I like to play the game, but that's, how, what you see in terms of the play developing. Um, but I guess that's why I've enjoyed it so much in terms of watching the game that I often find myself, you know, jotting down a number of notes uh, in terms of how the play develops or, you know, what is going well or what teams or specific players could do to be more effective. Uh, but I think you can't help as an a athlete. I think that we always have that as competitors, as athletes, that, you see the game in that way that potentially if you were on the ice or what would you do in that situation? Um, so I think that sort of made the transition pretty smooth into this role in terms of sharing that with other people, with the viewers to hopefully mm -hmm. make them feel more connected with the action to understand, you know, the player side, the technical side, you know, the approach of each team that's playing. Uh, well, and really so, what made you so great. I think that when I watch a game with Billy, Billy, who's yes. a goal scorer and I'm a goalie, I am solely really watching the goalie from from the goalie out. And Billy will say, oh, great shot or narrowly missed. And to me, it's a great save. And I didn't even see where the puck came from, you know. So we all see it in such different ways. But I love that you have a different take than most of the guys, which is um, really great. And it shows the best of our game. So I think uh, you're doing a marvelous job from my perspective. I might be a little Thank biased. But. <laughs> but I remember that. We, we, when we were playing, we'd watch games. It was the same. I was commenting often on the offensive side of the game, right. what was happening. And you would always make the comment about what the goalie was doing. So yeah, I, not too many like, people are thinking about what the goalie is actually doing, right? So. <laughs> well, let's get into some of your earlier playing career. Um, I know you talked so highly about your time at Harvard yes. and uh, specifically about your coach, Katie Stone. I know you had some incredible teammates. I have these vivid memories of the, the world championships where your teammates would load like 10, 15 girls into what an RV and drive yes. to the world championships to cheer on Canada and the US, which was amazing. Yes. Um, so you had some incredible teammates. Um, but I think really what tied it all together was likely Katie Stone. You, you talked so highly about her. And I guess I want to know from your perspective, really what made the Harvard experience so memorable? You'd already been to one Olympic Games at that point. So mm -hmm. this was sort of a, a unique challenge. But um, what really made Katie so great um, in her ability to uh, create these superstars, really? Yes, um, but it's a fun memory because I knew when we were chatting in this professional setting, I thought there would be a focus of teamwork since you are the teamwork specialist. And that was certainly one of the things that came to, to my mind first off was, uh, you know, along with some great experience with Team Canada was a few of those years at Harvard. And, that, you know, those specific world championships when literally my teammates at Harvard, they'd have half their face painted in Canada, half the face painted in the U.S. to support the Harvard players out there. Um, but I've always said, yes, I think Katie deserves a lot of credit. And I, you know, I think as a leader and as a coach, she really recognized that, you know, every person was different. So she always did, I think, what she needed to, to bring out the best in each individual. And I think that's something I've always respected and admired. And it takes time to learn what, uh, you know, how to bring out the full potential in all of your players. And, you know, I think, in hockey, right, and everything. We're gonna have ups and downs and nothing's gonna be perfect, but I think she really helped people find this 
high level of performance on a really consistent basis. You so, think that we're treating everybody as individuals because I've always thought yes. those are the best kind of coaches. Did mm -hmm. it lead to contemption within the team? Like, was there, or did she come in and say to you guys, this is the way I'm going to do it. And, you know, don't ask questions about so-and-so because this, mm -hmm. it's all individual or how did that work? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, the team really bought in, right. And I'm sure, you know, looking back, yes, yeah, some players didn't get as much ice time as they wanted or didn't play the role that they wanted, but I think, somehow she still got everybody to be a co cohesive group. You know, I still remember playing in, you know, NCAA championship games and having those in the third and the fourth line that were the first ones to come over and give us a pat on the back. And, mm -hmm. you know, Katie was a coach who played her top two lines a ton. And as a player, we loved that. I loved getting on, on the game and playing a ton of minutes, but also tough for your third and fourth line players. Mm -hmm. But somehow everybody was so excited to be a part of that team and to embrace the role. If you were only going to play a few minutes that period, what were you going to do to support your teammates? Right. And I, I think much like you, you did, whether you were the MVP of the game or playing a supporting role, right. You just, you, you bought in and, and I look back at my years at Harvard and that's what we had. And to have made the final four, you know, so often and, and been in those national championship games, I think it's a credit to, Katie's approach on, you know, what can I do to bring up the best in, in this player? And she knew I was going to be a different player than, you know, AJ Molesco was or Angela Ruggiero or Tammy Lee Suchuk or, you know, Sarah Valiancourt who played there later or, you know, your fourth liners who were Sally Duvall or, you know, Kim McManaba and these different players. So I think she just said, okay, you're different. Let's, let's talk about it. And she knew how, how to, to bring out the best. Yes. Yeah. I can remember us playing, um, some big games, uh, Canada, U.S. games, not yes. world championship games, but games where maybe one of you would be there and the other wouldn't. So maybe Rugger was playing and you were back at Harvard or um, Malesko mm -hmm. was playing or um, and you were playing. Like it just did she allow you guys to have that conversation with her? Was there that discussion of because you really came into Hockey Canada I mean, not only early, but um, where U22 and U18 first started. So yes. there was so much expectation in terms of games. Did yes. you have that conversation with Katie like, and with the uh, national team coaches as to what you're going to play and then also how to still have a good team because you still had to move yes. forward? It was always playoff time. And I guess there was no thought about let's make national team stuff at a different time, which is now how it is for, for the girls playing. Right. And I think it was still... Uh, it was navigating a, I don't know if I'd call it new, but it, it was a relatively new landscape, right? Where there were yeah. some members of Team Canada that had gone down to play in the U.S., but not yeah, like it is probably today. one of the very today. first ones, right? Like, was, I remember a, Vicky. A handful of, of yeah, players Beth that did. Yeah, Teller, those guys. But you yes. were at part of the first wave, we'll say. Wave, yeah, let's say the wave. So it was sort of figuring it out. And that was, they were sometimes tough conversations to have because as an athlete, Yes, you had loyalty to both teams so strongly, right? I mean, my heart was, you know, absolutely with Team Canada, but still with with Harvard. And and that was something where I think Katie wanted to make sure that each player um, just had a communication level, a high level of communication level with her in terms of those decisions. Because you would miss a lot of time if you went to all the, the junior camps and the senior camps and world championships. Um, so she just wanted to figure out that, that schedule in terms of what would make the most sense for each athlete, right. And still build you up as a player. And so I look back 
at my time at Harvard, I think it was hugely important for my development as, you know, a hockey player, as a person. And I, I give her a lot of credit in terms of us discussing together in terms of the approach to make sure, yes, I was committed to being part of Team Canada and being there whenever I possibly could, but still being a great leader and having the impact on the Harvard team and growing and developing as a player there as well. So it was tough because you want to make everybody happy, um, but you can't be in two places at once. And um, I think looking back, it was um, something is learning to make those decisions. Yes, you know, to make those. That's yes, an amazing thing that mm -hmm. she allowed you guys to be part of the process. Yes, um, I don't know if you remember Jaina Hefford. This memory just popped into my mind, but Jaina Hefford and I came to visit you. Yes, uh, at Harvard, yes. uh, randomly, and we just yes. kind of wandered around the campus. Um, yes. It was, I mean, being there was pretty prestigious uh, for us. So I can't imagine what it was like for you. But um, okay, Stanford. Uh, <laughs> okay, Stanford. Right. But I, I just feel like Harvard's the one you see in the movies. Yes, I, I mean, I went to Stanford. I'm not going to downgrade my education. But um, to get to see you in that, that environment was pretty special. I think it really, um, for those of us that, you know, hadn't really understood the NCAA experience, because we were before that, I would obviously mm -hmm. track and field, but Yes. We were before that pull and um, getting yes. to see you alongside some of those. Well, Tammy Lee Shuchuk played there with you and uh, Rugger and Malesko and those guys um, and Diane Coor. It was uh, pretty impressive, needless to say, from our perspective. So I'm glad you gave us a tour. So thank you. Oh, <laughs> well, I love it. You know what I said? Many days, right? I, I talked about moments of appreciation. I think that's that for me started at Harvard when it was so busy and so demanding. But when I would walk from class and we would have to walk over the bridge to go to the athletic facilities. And it was super demanding, right? With classes and papers and projects and mm -hmm. Team Canada and Harvard. But I would always try to, when I walked over that bridge in the middle of a busy day to go to practice or training, or I always try to take a little moment of appreciation because it was a pretty special place to be. I can so picture you doing that. I can remember <laughs> living together and you just yes. having to go outside for five minutes to just have this moment of appreciation yes. wandering around and just feeling the cool air. And yes. me, a moment of appreciation was like sitting down on the couch with um, nothing to do. And the last thing I would want to do is go outside. Um, but it wasn't really until I became a mom and things just yes. spiraled and yes. just getting outside for 10 minutes, how mm -hmm. wonderful it really does make you feel. And yes. I think you were able to um, capture that uh, much earlier in your life than most real adults. So <laughs> I can just picture you on that bridge looking at, what was the river there? The Charles River. The Charles yes. River and seeing the boats coming through and just having this moment of appreciation. That's what Jen Botterill is all about. <laughs> Which, Even though it was crazy and busy and I might have been exhausted, I would still try right. to take that you small little... You had your little... 30 seconds and yes. just made everything feel better. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, let's backtrack a little bit more um, than even before Harvard. So you, sure. um, I, I've listened to you speak so many times. I could probably recite a lot of your stories, but I just love them. And you tell this story about your dad um, having a heart to heart with you when you were, what, 15? Is 15. that the age? Yeah. Yes. And the importance of um, belief and yes. saying, why, why not you? Why can't mm -hmm. you be on this first women's Olympic hockey team? So anybody that um, wants to hear more about that story, definitely hire Jennifer Bottrell. <laughs> incredible. Um, but I just, I love that moment um, yeah. and belief and actually making it happen are really two different things. You know, you're mm -hmm. sitting in that, you're listening to your dad tell you this, um, but you actually had to pack up and leave and move to a new city to make all this happen. 
leave your school, um, St. John's Ravenscourt, leave your friends. Um, I don't think your family moved right away, if I'm not correct. Um, and I guess my question is, what was it like leaving home so young and how did you navigate that, that pursuit of that dream when you are just a kid still? Yes. And, you know, it was a big decision for me. I mean, leaving for my grade 12 year of high school, um, you know, my brother had, had left for high school and left in grade nine, uh, but I could never have left that early. Uh, you know, I was really close with my parents, but I, I was a pretty driven athlete as, at a young age. And I knew that for me, uh, this was really the option if, if I wanted to have any chance of making that Olympic team. And I knew that I was a long shot, but it, when you look back at that conversation, and that's a story I often share, right? When I was 15 years old, and that was the advice that my dad gave me was saying, well, why not you? And there was another coach that I thought about, and it was my coach for the Canada Games. And his, you know, our, we decided our theme for the year was to never have to say, I wish I would have. In and Ringette. So, Let's just say that oh, you yes, the it was Canada in, Games in Ringette, which in is Ringette. So remarkable was in and of itself. Yes. Ringette coach. And you're at that's the wagon wheel, right? Can I just... Yeah. Was so, that so, oh, the dad, you know what? That is often where I had many chats with my dad, but this one when I was 15 was at the Wildwood Club. Oh, at so, the Wildwood Club. Because I was still at yeah. school, but yes. It, okay. Many further conversations at the okay. wagon wheel. Yeah. Um, but um, that was just an approach. And I, I felt like I was still a long shot to make that national team. Um, you know, I'd never made the, I hadn't even made the under 18 team, right? The year before the, the, the Olympic year. But it was just that idea that maybe I'm a long shot, but I want to do everything that I can to try to make that team. And I can look back and feel proud of myself. So it was a big step for me to move out on my own, um, you know, at 17 and go to uh, the National Sports School in Calgary. But that was the best option for me to play with great players. There were a number of national team players that were training there full time so I could be Where on the- Where did you live that year? Yes, um, I lived in a, in a house, was, but there was another um, a grad student that my dad had known who was okay. also renting a house. So we had shared a place um, and it just gave me the chance, I guess, to be around great players and learn. And I think my development, you know, escalated tremendously that year. Um, and I, I mean, that was a big step for me and, and it gave me the chance to make the Olympic team, but tough for me because I wasn't I, like I said, I loved home. I had a great network of friends in Winnipeg, great school. Um, but it was uh, looking did you back. Did you have to cook and clean for yourself all of a sudden? Like, was this yes. all oh, new? Yes. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes. All of I those guess you things. went through all of that before centralization, which I, I find yes. hard for a lot of young players when they first centralize that they, uh, with the national team in the women's hockey program, you have to um, learn how to navigate the world by yourself. And yes. you basically got to maybe do that in obscurity a little bit, right? Before yes. it really mattered. Right. In terms of the pressure or the intensity and the attention of, of the Olympic year. So yes, looking back, it, it probably set me up nicely since I had the opportunity and I was selected to be part of, of that training group, um, you know, in 98 and, and was there, you know, maybe a few weeks before you came along and, and joined the crew. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, roundabout way suddenly I end yes. up at Thanksgiving at your house so yes thanks to your parents for inviting me over that you were really the first person that I knew in Calgary and we didn't even know each other uh, I, know. I knew your brother um Jason uh who I uh, kindly or nicely referred to as jazz because just for the listeners one day um Jason Bottrell called your phone and you have him listen to listed as uh, Jason. 
Which I think you had written J A S. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I just said, "Oh, jazz is calling." So anyway, <laughs> forever and always, you will always be jazz to me. This episode brought to you by Armstrong and Small Eye Care Center. Their eye care center's mission is to provide compassionate eye care in Winnipeg, Manitoba, by a dedicated team of professionals using the latest technical and medical equipment. Started by my grandfather, continued by my father, and now run by my brother Luke and his wife Gina. Their optometrists have been telling people what their eyes say about them for over 100 years. That's a lot of eyes and a lot of experience. A pretty remarkable. Uh, your family actually ended up moving the next year, right? During the centralized year, uh, your dad ended up working out there. Is that correct? Yes. So he took a, th- um, a position. Um, he took a leave of absence from the University of Winnipeg and did some work in consulting in Calgary at the University of Calgary uh, for a few years, which the timing was just amazing with how it worked out. So I was spoiled and got to live mm-hmm. at home for my first experience with the national team. Right, which and to have that family support and that network and the and I mean two people that had gone through it too. So yes. it's not like they were uh, you know, the ups and the downs that we were all living that were so monumentous in our in our brains, they yes. had been through it all. So um it was two remarkable people. We'll talk about them in a little bit. before we get to your family, um I I I want to know a little bit more about the national team. Um, And you obviously uh, having been to four Olympics is incredible. Um, And I know that when you're speaking and when you get asked in the media, you often talk about your favorite moment being on standing on the blue line of the home Olympics in Vancouver and seeing your teammates, your friends have their dreams come true right in front of you and taking in that moment. And I know for every athlete, that's um, pretty special. Um, however, I guess I want to know more than just that game in Vancouver, more than the Olympics, more than, um, any of those big moments that I think the crowd assumes or the the listeners assume that you're going to say are your favorite games. So what really are your, what were your, your favorite games to play in that could be at any level, the games that you just felt like nothing could go wrong. Like you just Mm -hmm. felt like you were on your game. What were some of those games? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's a couple that come to mind, you know, and I mean, one is, is the gold medal game in Vancouver. And maybe people expect you to say that, but in terms of an individual athlete, I look back and I feel, you know, really happy with, with how I played under, I guess it was, it was the biggest moment of my athletic career at that, you know, at at that point. And it was different circumstances uh, because you were in a different role than you had been used to so perhaps limited ice time but every time you stepped on the ice you made something happen which was incredible um I wanted it to be more often I wanted you to be out there more often like most people but when you did you made things happen so that was remarkable and I think that's why I you know I feel proud of that and that was what my, my parents said after that game right that was the thing that they said after they said you should be proud of yourself right and I think that's for every athlete you know you're you're doing it for your country and that's the ultimate reward, but then sort of looking back and feeling like you did everything that you could to reach, you know, that pinnacle and to do it for Canada. Um, and so I think, yeah, when I look back and I see footage or, you know, or I see pictures uh, from that game, uh, it brings back a really, um, I think, good feeling and a positive feeling to think that, um, you know, and people asked after that, Olympics, you know, what was your favorite goal that you scored, right? And I said, well, 
it wasn't a goal, right? It was assist and getting the chance to pass to Maddie Philippe Poulain, who scored that first goal in Vancouver, and it was the gold medal winning goal. And that, I think, was potentially the most rewarding play I ever could have made as a hockey player that, you know, helped our team to win a gold medal on home soil. So that was one, but it's just a feeling as an athlete, right? I think you strive for that to be, I felt like when I hit the ice, that idea of whether it's in the zone or your ideal performance state, I felt that way that day, that no matter what, I wanted to be my best. And millions of people were watching, you know, thousands of people in the stands. But there was just this relaxed intensity to my game in terms of being able to read the play, anticipate to feel great when I was on the ice. And I think that's why it just brings back so many positive emotions, because that's what you strive for, is to, to peak under these big moments. Um, and that was one of them. Um, what know, are some other ones that were oh, just like yeah. monumentous, I guess, in your career? Well, one, you know, one was, I didn't have the outcome that I wanted, but as a, as a player, in terms of having that feeling of performing really well, it was uh, my senior year at Harvard, and we were in the NCAA championship game. And uh, again, on the ice, a ton, and, and just feeling like when it went to overtime that we could still have the impact and, and win. In the end, we lost in double overtime, but I still look back and, you know, it would have been a pretty nice storybook finish to my university career to win. Um, but it was a great game. I feel like it was a packed rink. You know, both teams had their bands playing. Just the atmosphere was amazing. And as an athlete, too, to feel like, oh, you know, what? I, I don't think I could have done anything ever, any differently to help mm -hmm. my team. Or um, And so it was still so much fun to play. Yeah, it was heartbreaking that we didn't have the result that we wanted. But it was still a really fun hockey game to be a part of. And I think back to those minutes and playing that game, that, that was also a lot of fun. I think there's one to me with a national team that really stands out. Uh, just having done so much research for my book, I had to yes. rewatch so much game tape. And there's so many games I'd forgotten about. But yes. one was the World Championship Final in 2001 in Minnesota. Yes. And we had been missing Haley Wickenheiser that year. She uh, yes. injured herself prior um, you were the starting center, essentially top line center, um, had had an amazing, uh, tournament, uh, Kim St. Pierre, that final game really stood on her head, head for us. Yes. But every time you touched the puck, I mean, I think we had eight total shots or something crazy. Like it was, I'm exaggerating. I want to yes. say that the Americans had like 40 to 20 shots, but every time you touched the puck, it just seemed to create a ricochet here and then a bounce here. And then all of a sudden Jennifer has the puck in front of the net by herself. You know, it just seemed like yeah. you could do no wrong in that game. Um, those are some of my favorite celebrations was yeah, yes. in those games. Uh, but so that's maybe yes. my favorite game watching you play. And yeah. the times when you played with the um, arrows, when I felt almost like we were playing minor hockey, that it was like, you know, we're down 3-1 and it's kind of like coach says, okay, Jen, can you go out and score? And you do. Like you just, you had this ability to come Aww. back and just, I don't know, carry, put the team on your shoulders when it mattered most, you know? And I, I think you were always very good at sharing the puck and sharing the accolades. But when it really came down to it and it mattered most, you could take the team on your shoulders, get up by a goal and be like, okay, so we're winning now. So, <laughs> all right, I've done my job. Yeah. And in in what was the top league in the world at the time, you sort of 
you were just light years ahead of the rest of us. So watching you play in that league was remarkable because your speed, your agility was even that much higher than uh, with a national team. So anyways, I'm just oh. building. <laughs> I just like to tell you all the fun games that uh, I got to watch you play. But Oh, they're all great memories, right? I feel like I get emotional reflecting on them yeah. because they were all so important and, and so much fun, right? And I, I guess as for all of us, right, as elite athletes, that's what you hope that you can try to bring your best in, in big moments. And yeah, uh, so well, you certainly have, and, I mean, you played for the national team for so long and um, the team was so successful really in that, in that time that you were on it, you were on the team during its really its heyday um, with the national team winning three straight gold medals after a, a silver medal. What do you, what do you really think, made our team so successful because we had so many different coaches mm -hmm. in that time frame mm -hmm. right we had players coming in and out of what would be the program I mean we basically yes. had a group of about 30 40 people um mm -hmm. but they're just in the big games it always we always seem to win and why mm -hmm. do you think that is yeah you know I, I a few reasons I think they I think we had great teammates right and I I don't know if you'd agree with that first assessment, but I think we did. That people I like bought people too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think they were a great group of people that we were all really dedicated and the same idea. Like we were different types of players, different personalities, but we all came together and agreed, okay, we may not all be the best of friends every single day, but let's do this together and for the right reasons, right? Because and, and we loved the game and wanted to do it for, for Canada and for our country. And I think it was just a great combination of you know from leadership positions to young talented players we had such depth on our teams um, but I, I if I had to pick one thing it would probably be the character of the players that you mm -hmm. know not only did we have have talent and dedication and we pushed ourselves in a lot of different ways you know physically you know mentally emotionally I think we pushed ourselves a lot of different ways to to be our best but I'd probably give the most credit to the people, the personalities and the character uh, for everybody that that played with such heart, right? And, and we loved the game and played, I think, for the right reasons. And I think that helped us to come together and to be successful in those short-term competitions and win, on, win in, those, in those big moments when it was sort of on the line. Does that make yeah, sense? I, I love what you said about um, that we didn't have to be best friends. You know, I think right. that sometimes is a fallacy about elite teams. Um, but we did have this incredible respect for each other. And yes. I think that that, you know, I, I talk a lot about in the book about uh, coaches and uh, how they didn't always play me. Um, so they perhaps aren't in the best of light. But um, what I will give um, accolades to the various different coaches that we had throughout our career is that they, they built that team um, by generating that respect within the dressing room. And I, you know, that a lot of it had to do with the characters for sure, but they gave us the space. They gave us yes. the space to, um, you know, if some people wanted to go out to a restaurant and others uh, wanted to um, just chill in the room, they could, you know, like I, I never felt pressured to build team. I felt like every time we got to build team, it was fun. And it was in a, um, you know, a caring, respectful environment where you never felt like it was going outside of the dressing room. Um, you're right that we had some incredible leadership from, um, you know, stoic Cassie, who was uh, able to sort of you know, bring everybody together and be the gel to Haley, who was foaming at the mouth as she's like working so hard. And then Vicky, yeah. who's always bringing jokes to the dressing room. It yeah. just, I felt like we were really lucky and privileged to have been amongst 
um, greatness before yes. we even knew it, right? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you were around greatness from a young age. Um, so we're going to end with talking a little bit about your family without bringing any tears. Um, but you come from an incredibly accomplished family. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about your parents for a second, because mm -hmm. I first met your dad, I think... Um, he was helping with one of my minor hockey teams when I was playing with Jason uh, in what was, I guess, spring hockey. We got to play on the same team and he was helping with the sports psychology, uh, which I kind of knew nothing about. I didn't know that he worked with NHL clubs or Olympians, that we had this famous sports psychologist working with us. Um, but he was just so down to earth. And the first person I think that I ever talked to about the rest of my life, you know, not just what happened on the ice. So that was incredible. Um, your mom is, a two, well, first, she's a two-time Olympian in speed skating, uh, incredibly made her first Olympics at 16, um, but she became an elementary school teacher. Is that, she taught elementary school? Yes. And um, maybe one of the nicest humans that I've ever, ever met. Um, and your older brother, who I played against, uh, won three straight world junior titles, played in the NHL and won some Stanley Cups uh, with the Penguins. Um, as an assistant GM, became the GM of Buffalo and is now with Seattle. So um, you don't have to tell me how great they are. I, I already know how incredible they are. You can definitely talk about their accolades and what they brought to you. But I wanted to kind of have a little bit of tw twist on the question because you come from a very accomplished family. And we talk about accomplished families within Canada a lot, the nurses. Um, and it is it is not easy. It is not often easy to uh, bring up children in an environment, Billy and I are both uh, Olympians, um, where it is still a supportive environment. I always felt your parents were so supportive, uh, which was so incredible, a testament to them. But I guess what I want to know is, what do you think about each of their personalities? So those uh, three people yeah. in your life, and what do you think made them successful? And how, more importantly, do you think that you are different than each one of them? Hmm. Interesting. Um, <laughs> But the first thing you did say that was the one that was on sort of on that I was thinking of most of all is that support, right? And I, yes, I think my family, they've all been so accomplished in, in their lives and their careers. Um, but looking back to when Jason and I were growing up, there was never any pressure that we had to do this, or we had to go to the Olympics or play for team Canada. Or you had to play this sport or go to this university. It was always a supportive environment. And I think that's where my parents deserve a lot of credit that, they wanted us to be healthy, active children and be dedicated to everything that we were involved with. But it was always very supportive and there wasn't the pressure. And I think that allowed us to, to find that internal drive for success. Um, but if you look at the four of us, I do think we all have different personalities and different strengths. Um, you know, I think my mom, you know, I think she probably deserves a, a lot of credit, perhaps the most credit of all, that she's just always that rock. I think that, um, you know, my dad's the first one to say that, you know, sometimes, you know, she's, she's a two-time Olympian and, and sometimes doesn't get enough credit for the personality and what she did for the family. And I think for her, she was just there for me in, in every situation and easy to talk to and supportive. Um, well, we both just, know that now that you become a mom, the fact that you're an Olympian to your kid is your chop liver. So yeah. <laughs> let's be honest. I'm sure your mom was kind of treated. It's like, no, she's just my mom. She's like my mom. She went yeah. to the Olympics at 16. But no big deal. Yeah, and I think I just continued to admire my mom for that reason, too. And with three young kids, my mom, just in terms of you mentioned her kindness and her patience and, 
you know, my oldest Maya, when she talks about my mom and my dad, you know, their grandparents she said, oh, you guys are just so playful, you know, is what she says. And that's like the ultimate compliment to the grandparents that they are that playful. So my mom just, I think with her kind soul and just was always there for me. You know, my dad is, has been very influential. I mean, obviously his life and career in sports psychology and performance psychology, he just has such a, uh, I think an educational presence. And it was not as though I needed to have formal sit down sessions with my dad, but it was just an environment that I was in from a young age, right? About learning about the choices that you make, a positive attitude or being grateful or reflecting or usually using imagery. I mean, these were part of the conversation at a young age and that were are really that tools. Most of us were not having. Right. Very privy to, yes. Yes. And that became a cornerstone for really my approach to everything in my life and my career, right? Hockey player, professional, beyond. Um, so he's, I think, just always been, I've learned so much from him, right? I think at every stage of my career. Um, and then Jason, I think I've just always admired, you know, I think he was a huge inspiration for me. And he's always been driven, right? I mean, to leave home at, in grade nine, to pursue your dreams as a student and as a hockey player, I mean, that was amazing. You're young at grade nine and to leave home and go to a different country and go to school away. Um, I just, I continue to admire Jason. I think he just carries himself um, so well. And, you know, I think the one story I often share with Jason is that, you know, when he won his third world junior gold medal, right? They asked, the media asked him on the ice what it feels like. This was the record, right? He's the only Canadian to have done so. And his response was, well, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just happy to see the rookies that are winning their first gold medal. Right. And that's what he said. And, and he said that what is a 19 year old? Yes. Pretty remarkable. <laughs> right. To be more excited for your teammate who's accomplishing this for the first time. So I think Jason's just been, been driven. And I think he's just been an inspiration for me, um, you know, for his whole life and continues to be absolutely to this day. So how do you think you're different than the three of them? Oh, so me personally, how I'm different from mm -hmm. their personalities. <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that I've learned from all of them. Um, I know you've learned I've from them. What they say makes you different. I mean, different. You know, yeah. What makes me different from them? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe the ability to, to have fun with it along the way. That I think that's been something that has helped me. And if I... Um, remembering, I guess, remembering the joy of, of why I started playing. I think, you know, when I look at my career as an athlete or what I'm doing now in my life and my career, hopefully I've been able to bring that element of, of enjoying it um, on a regular basis, if, yeah, I if think, that makes sense. So yeah, I, no, I, I, I think the understanding that uh, this moment is fleeting and to really be there in that moment. Um, right. You know, I would say that your dad and your brother, from me personally, seem more similar in their uh, personalities, a little bit more serious. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that the the joy, I see that in your mom. It's not that I don't yes. see them, but I see right. that in your mom when she gets to play with the grandkids. You know, I yes. see that joy that she just is there. She's present and she's, yes. she's uh, with them. But I think there's also a level of grace. Um, and I don't say grace lightly. I, I really mean just a, you have an air about yourself that is maybe because you did ballet when you were little, I don't know, <laughs> but that is just, um, uh, I don't even know how to say it, but everything that you seem to have, have accomplished uh, comes with a humility to it in a way that I, 
I just, I picture you, I mean, all it, almost like being on Battle of the Blades where it just, everything just uh, looks easy with a big smile on your face. And inside the engines are turning so quick. And um, I just feel like you are that, we see the top of the iceberg and there's so much more layers to you underneath. Um, is that, do you mean to do that? Or is that something that you've had to... Or was it through ballet? I don't know. No, you're right. When I was a gymnast or, you know, at six years old in my short-lived um, gymnastics <laughs> career. But I think that's a very good description. But I think it's the goal to get to that result where, you know, whether you're a hockey player playing at the Olympics and it feels easy, right? That moment where the game mm -hmm. feels easy and you can see everything. Or from my recent experience on Battle of the Blades <laughs> where you try with all of your heart and might to do this, you know, foreign movements and make it look half decent, but behind that, I think, is the personality of someone who's super driven and wants to be their best. And at times, I, I do feel like I'm, I'm hard on myself. Um, and that was probably my biggest challenge, you know, throughout our, our years on the national team was you have such high standards for yourself and just sort of recognizing, okay, every day might not be perfect, but let's, you know, and I think it's hard that as a high achiever, sometimes that's a tendency that you, you can be self-critical or, or tough on yourself. But I think that comes from a good place that I always wanted to be my best in every situation. And um, I think it helped me along the way to try to remember those moments of, of joy or to enjoy, you know, every, every step along the way. And so that's something that I don't know if it came like with a snap of a finger that was always super easy for me, but something that I tried to remind myself of. And it was, you know, I think, you know, when I played at my best, the way I described it, I would say I played with a free mind and unburdened heart. And that was sort of a good description for me to, to try to get there as often as possible. Because as intense or exciting or competitive as the moment might be, if I had that element of that free mind and unburdened heart, that helped me to perform at my best. And I think it's the same now if I'm broadcasting or speaking or playing hockey or on a the Battle of the Blades show, whatever it might be, to feel that joy, you know, within the intensity of the moment. And so that's something I've tried to try to accomplish and take a lot of pride in. Well, I think that's a wonderful way to end it. <laughs> I, that, I feel like it's just a great synopsis of you. So thank you for sharing. Um, and thank you for sharing with the listeners um, really what makes, I guess, you tick. And I have been so fortunate to know you for so long. And I, I just feel like there are so many wonderful aspects about you. And I wish that, like I said off the top, I wish everybody could have a Jennifer Bottrell in their life because I just feel calmer and in a, a warmer state every time I talk to you. So I feel like everybody can see our big smiles that we have on our face, but it really is uh, such a, a wonderful, um, you've been such a wonderful friend. So thank you. And thank you for being on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for the trip down memory lane. And I also hope you know how instrumental you were for the, the majority of all those great memories in my career. So you played a huge part. So thank you. I made sure all the grapes were cut in half. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, Jen. Hey, thanks, Sammy. Thank you for listening to Sammy Joe's podcast. If you have suggestions for guests in the future who would like to book her for your next event, advertise on this podcast, or to purchase her latest book, The Role I Played, please go to www.sammyjoesmall.ca.